The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, would you take our time now as we look at your word and increase our awareness of just how great you are? Would you make that so, Lord, as only your spirit can do, I pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. And we're redecorated. We need to do baptism more often. I get really excited. We got we to gotta really pray that the Lord will continue to uh, have us see folks follow Him uh, in believing and also following Him in discipleship. Don't you? I love baptism. Don't anybody else with me? I want to do it all day. Yeah, all right. All right. Pat, let's, let's line them up. No, I'm just kidding. It's so easy now, though, we can just fill up the tank. We used to have to move everything out and reconstruct everything, but now it's a piece of cake, so we, we got to get that thing going. Okay, we are going to look at Philippians chapter 3 today as we move into the biggest shopping week of the year, is it? I, I don't know. Uh, just out of curiosity, how many actually enjoy shopping like you like, Sha? Okay, a pretty good percentage. I'm looking for a guy's hand. Uh, okay, one, one back here. It puts up kind of sheepishly. Yeah, I do too. My wife gets so excited. It's really, she's not in here today, so I can make fun of her. She's down the hallway with the kids. But uh, like, I think it was Thursday, I come in, she says, let me show you what I got. And our bed is just covered with all the things that she bought, you know, for this is a little sleeper with footies for Hosea and everything like that. And I have to kind of pretend like I'm interested. Uh, and it's all spread out there. But the other thing is she is a total sucker. If, if there is a price tag on there for more and then she gets a discount, I mean, so who's ever making those just needs to put the expensive price tag on there and then the cheap one and she'll buy it. Look at the deal I got. She gets, she gets so passionate about that. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, but this is definitely a time when we got to look at the price tags and we got to say, is it worth it? Uh, what are we doing? And, you know, I think our lives really are filled with answering that question. Uh, we're going to talk about today from Philippians 3, the idea that Paul said that following Jesus Christ is so worth it. That's where we want to get. But if you think about it, we make that decision about everything. Is it worth it to get up and exercise? Is it worth it to watch what I eat? Uh, you know, is, is, it, is it worth it to invest in this? Is it worth it to go, you know, wh whatever, you know, put my time in on, on this account or what, whatever like, like that? We always ask that question, you know, is there going to be a return? Is it really going to be worth it? So as we jump into Philippians chapter 3, like I said, Paul is going to hit that issue head, head on. And uh, so verse number 1 of Philippians 3, he said this, finally, Paul's like the preachers are today. When they say finally, it means absolutely nothing. He has a long way to go. Uh, but finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And just as a side for a second, actually two things, uh, to write the same things to you is no trouble for me. This is kind of a, one of those verses, blah, blah, blah. You know, you just read it and throw it. But I want you to catch uh, those Four words in there, rejoice in the Lord. And just remember, because that really comes back to the theme of all Philippians. It is not rejoice in circumstances. In fact, your circumstances may be terrible, and they may give you no reason to rejoice. In fact, they could exactly bring the opposite. But he says, rejoice in the Lord in who he is and knowing him. That is the source of our joy. And that is the joy that surpasses circumstances. So, so get a hold of that. We are to rejoice in the Lord. And then he says, I'm going to write the same things to you because 
us, hey, this is safe for you. This is good for you. It's no trouble to me, and it's good for you. I say this to cover myself so that when I repeat things, I'm just like the Apostle Paul. Okay, I can say the same thing. No, actually, I say that to tell you this. You will hear repetition because you are going to hear this, the message of Jesus Christ over and over and over and over. And I'm going to try to be creative. I'm going to try to say it in different ways, but I'm going to keep telling you the story of how God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I want to keep telling you the story of the gospel and that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. I want to keep coming back to that over and over again. You see, our theology, our theology is what we believe about God, determines our biography. It determines our life. So what we believe is going to uh, show up in how we live. And getting down the theology of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we'll see that even more as we go on into chapter 3. Then he goes on and he says, look out for the dogs, okay? Uh, and this is a very harsh, strong word for dogs, nasty dogs that would bite. Uh, but he is talking about false teachers. He says, look out for evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And what he is specifically talking about there is those who were preaching that you could not be a Christian unless you were circumcised. So he said those that mutilate the flesh. Somebody said they understood mutilation but not regeneration. And uh, he said that's not what it's about. It's not about that. For we are the circumcised who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Jesus Christ and put no confidence in the flesh. Watch what he goes on to say about this idea of confidence in the flesh. He says, though I myself, the Apostle Paul's writing, he said, I have reason for confidence in the flesh. Uh, he said, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Okay, and Paul's not bragging. He's just telling the truth. He said, if anybody could trust in their works to get to heaven and anything else other than Jesus Christ, he says, I got you beat. He said, let, let me tell you about it. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. As far as ritual goes, I followed every ritual. He said, I, uh, I am of the people of Israel. As far as race goes, I'm God's chosen people. Of the tribe of Benjamin, as far as rank goes, that was an a, a elite tribe that he was part of. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I'm a Pharisee. I know it inside and out. If knowing your Bible, if knowing the Scriptures get you to heaven, I got you. As to zeal, man, I'm as sincere as could be. I persecuted the church because I was trying to follow God. That's what I was doing. As to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. So if it's about race or ritual or religion or any of those things, uh, Paul had it. And Paul says, if it, if it is any of those things, I got you beat. I'm all over that. But the truth of the matter is, listen, there is no, and, and if you hear nothing else today, get this, there is no religion that can ever replace relationship. There is no religious activity that can make you right with God. A relationship with Jesus Christ. These folks today said, yes, I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. When we trust him, he gives us new life. He brings us into a relationship with him. Paul's going to explain why that's the important thing here, not all this stuff. Because he says, whatever I gained, I had kind of lost for the sake of Christ. All that stuff on my ledger of things I've accomplished, forget it. Wipe it off. Indeed, I count everything a loss but because of the, and I love these two words, surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Let me just explain for a quick second here. This word rubbish in other translations, and you might have one today that uses the word dung, and that sounds a little cruel, a little crude, but it is a more accurate translation. 
That's, that's actually what he was saying. He says, this is like refuse. You know, I, I grew up, my mom had some weird things about her. One of them, <laughs> this is weird, and why I'm telling you this, I'm not sure why, but uh, that'd be funny. But she had a word, there's a word for dung that all of you would consider a cuss word. And my mother said it all the time. But my mother, and this honest truth, in our home, we were not allowed to say the word poop. I mean, if you, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, you couldn't even when you were tired say, oh man, I'm pooped. You couldn't say that, that that was a bad word. So I grew up like that. So I went to school and I said the word that she said. And when someone said, said they had to poop, I was like, <gasps> like that. And so uh, anyway, I, I, I've gotten over it mostly uh, since then. But Paul, that's what Paul says. Paul says, this is total waste. Okay, this is, this is waste right here. This is all those things. I count them as trash compared to, compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ and be found in him, not having, oh, I love this verse, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Okay, when we think of righteous behavior, we think, oh, I'm a good boy. I do the things I'm supposed to. I behave. I keep the rules, everything like that. He says, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That's the only righteousness worth anything. Do you know that I can stand here today and tell you, and you might think this guy's nuts, but I'm going to stand there and tell you that I am righteous. I can tell you that. And it has absolutely nothing to do with me. I didn't do anything to earn it. It totally has to do that I place, Jacob, my friend, you are righteous because God has given you his righteousness. He said, I'll take your sin and I'll give you righteousness. Your little brother, he's righteous. Hard to believe, isn't it? Uh, but it is not his own doing, but it is because God says, I'll give you that righteousness. It's an imputed righteousness that God places in us. That's what Paul's talking about here. He says, I don't want to put my faith in, uh, in this righteousness that I could earn through good works. It's not going to happen. I want to uh, put my faith in this righteousness that comes only from God. And he says, here's, here's what I'm after then. I want to know him. The power of his resurrection, that I may share in his sufferings, become like him in death, that by any means possible I may obtain to the resurrection of the dead. Let me show you something here. Look at his priorities. He wants to know him. He wants to know his power. He wants to share in his sufferings. That's crazy. Paul says, most important to me is the person of Jesus Christ. The power of the gospel in my life now that I, now that I have the power over sin. And, uh, and, and the, uh, so I have the person in Jesus Christ. I have the power. And he says, I'll also take the pain. How could anybody say that? I want to, the pain. Here's how he could say that. For Paul, the most important thing was that he knew Jesus Christ. If that meant pain, then that's a good thing. Isn't that unbelievable? That he could take that? Because I don't think like that. I think God make things easy for me. Pave the way for me. Make things smooth. That's how I want it to go. The Apostle Paul said, most important thing to me is that I know Jesus Christ. If that means hard times are going to come the way, then I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm down for it. Whatever, it. whatever it is, because priority number one, job one, is knowing him. J.I. Packard, who wrote one of the books that's been very influential in my life, that's just called Knowing God, said that when you realize that your main business is to know Jesus, most of your problems fall into place. Now, he said most of your problems, but when we get that philosophy, when we understand simply this, that Jesus Christ is of surpassing worth, more, more than any wealth, more than any talent, you know, more than, more than even health, 
What I want more than anything is to know Jesus Christ. It is surpassing worth. It beats everything. This is worth it. Let's go on. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, <laughs> I like that phrase, the one thing I do. I always remember uh, there, there's a movie called City Slickers where uh, Billy Crystal uh, goes off to, uh, he pays to be on an adventure of cattle herding. And when he's out there cattle herding, the, the old rancher that's teaching him is a guy named Jack Palance, is the actor. And uh, so at, at one point, Billy Crystal says, hey, what's the secret to life? And Jack Palance up on his horse, he goes this. Billy Crystal says, your finger is the secret to life? Uh, he says, no. He says, one thing. He said, find that one thing that's important and go after it. And the Apostle Paul says that same thing here. This one thing I do, I do not consider myself, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. My failures, forget those. My successes, forget those. And now I'm straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of you who are mature, if you're mature in your faith, think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal it, that to you also. Only let us hold to, the, uh, to true what we have already obtained. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. The second two words I want you to remember. The first is that surpassing worth. But I want you to remember, too, that Paul admonished them to press on. He said, with humility, he said, I'm not there yet. Okay, I, I haven't got there yet. I'm not perfect. I'm, 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 just, you know, I'm just not. God is maturing me. God is growing me. But I am not there yet. A uh, little thing I read this week I wanted to share with you. A lot of times when I begin a sentence with, I know that I'm not perfect, do you know what comes next? This is sad, but you know what comes next? Then I criticize somebody else. Okay? I know that I'm not perfect, but Josh has more problems than I do. Uh, you know, that, that type of thing. I want to encourage you when you get to that statement, be like the Apostle Paul. I know that I'm not perfect. I'm not there yet. But don't throw somebody else in there. That's a good place to stop. I know that I'm not perfect. Get that? So he humbly says, I know that I haven't arrived yet. I know that I'm still learning. I know that I'm still growing. And one of the phrases in there, he talked about that idea of those who are mature. Maturity means you, you're, you're still growing. You're still thinking. You're, you're forgetting what's behind. Uh, your successes and failures, and you're pressing on, uh, still wanting to grow and still wanting to move forward in your faith. My answer to so many questions that people ask about the Christian life, how much of my Bible should I read? Uh, how much should I be praying? praying. What do you think I should be giving? I have a one word answer for you. More. Because we should be growing. Okay? I don't know where you are. I don't know what your place is in his life, but how much of your Bible should you be reading? I want to say more. And uh, how much should you be praying? More. Uh, because what we're doing, we're pressing on, we're growing, and we're, we're maturing. We have a, uh, some of you might be familiar with this, but in Christianity today, there's a bit of a celebrity culture uh, that's, that's why I'm dressed like such a rock star. Okay, yeah. Uh, I know I don't fit the celebrity culture, but some of you are familiar with the, uh, the idea that, you know, in some churches, the, you know, there's, and, and please don't, I'm not criticizing the person. It, this scares me. But there's this 35-year-old pastor who's up there, and he's got more personality than, you know, he just oozes warmth and everything like that. And all these guys, too, I don't know if you've seen this in these preachers, they're all buff. They all work out. 
another area where I don't quite measure up. <laughs> there are arms in this coat, barely. Uh, but, uh, you know, but, but these guys, and they have all this personality and this charisma, and people are flocking to hear them, thousands and thousands. And I honestly, from my heart, I'm not jealous of that. I'm thankful they're preaching the gospel, but I'm scared to death for them. Because so much of it is based on talent and, and charisma and everything like that. And not the maturity that we're talking about here as far as and realizing it is not me. And it is really hard to handle success and not get cocky. And when they, you know, and when they see their churches grow and everything like that, they begin to think, hey, I'm just the most wonderful person in the world. The Apostle Paul said, it has nothing to do with me. He humbly is pressing on. Let me go ahead and read a little bit more here. Verse number 19. Brothers, join in imitating me. This is cool. He says, go ahead, imitate me. Now, I didn't say I was perfect. I didn't say do everything I can, but we need to find people that are heading in the right direction, that are pressing on, that are following after Christ. We ought to understand that they have this type of maturity, and they're going to admit to you that they failed. And, you know, and I might have a mentor over here that is struggling terribly in this area of his life, but he's growing, and he's pressing on, and he's moving. He's still be my mentor. We're not going to find a perfect mentor. And Paul says that, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies. They've fallen away. They walk as enemies of the cross. It breaks my heart, he says. Some are walking away. So, so find some mentors. Find some people who are following the right way and follow after them. He's talking still about those who've fallen away. The end is destruction. Their God is their belly. That means they're all about their own appetite and doing what they want. And their God, in, in, I'm sorry, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. But he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, t- <laughs> who will transform our lowly bodies. You know, no matter how buff you are, no matter how good shape you're in, compared to what God has waiting for us, your body is a lowly body. And God is going to transform it. Isn't, isn't that awesome? By the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. He is God. He is large and in charge, and he is going to transform us. And if we could take a few minutes here and focus on the idea of our heavenly citizenship, if we could see our church as simply an outpost for God's kingdom. Um, this is, I don't think I've said this too much around here, so some of you, some of you may not know. You might find this hard to believe. I used to bike, or ride my bike very avidly. I mean, very avidly. I mean, we're talking, I had a little chart I kept track, and I got about 6,000 miles a year. I'm going to say that again. I'd like a little response. Like, wow, that's good. Okay. I got like 6,000 miles a year. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and now my bike hangs in the garage. But, uh, but I mean, I bike to work in all types of weather. Some of you remember this. I had my goggles. I had my helmet. I had these super-duper Vulcan gloves to keep, uh, that kept my fingers like that, and they kept me warm. Uh, and I invested in that. I was really in, in, into biking big time. Well, when I was in the middle of that, my, we were going down to Poto, Oklahoma, to visit my in-laws. And my father-in-law says, hey, I know you like to ride your bike. Why don't you plan on riding it, I have a bike for you. I should have asked, but I did not. 
So I went down there, and I'm going to give you a visual image that you'll have to wash your minds out later, but uh, I had my spandex bicycle shorts. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but I did. Uh, I had my super-duper biking shorts. I had my biking gloves without the fingers. I had my helmet, my, my sunglasses, and everything like that. I brought all this stuff down there, and uh, I got dressed to go biking one day, and he says, the bike's out in the shed. I got to the shed. There's a 24-inch red woman, woman's bike. So here I am, all, all decked out and ready to go. So I go taking off down the Poto Highway uh, like this. And uh, every, every pickup truck which went by me, which is pretty much every car down there, uh, was seeing how close they could get to me with a rearview mirror. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I just missed them. Uh, and they were having a good time while looking at the funny boy going down the highway on the little red bike. And uh, I finally got out to where there was a convenience station, you know, one of these uh, barf and bag things where, you know, they have a little food in there. And I decided I wanted to get a drink. So I get off my bike and I walk in. There's about uh, eight or ten people in there sitting in a little area where you could sit. And as I walked in, the whole place went quiet. <laughs> Completely quiet. And they were just dying. I could tell. I went over. I got my drink. I paid for it. I started for the door and they couldn't contain themselves anymore. Uh, they, they, first of all, it just burst out into laughter. <laughs> That's a funny boy. I remember that line. And then, and then I also remember uh, the one woman's voice going, he ain't from around here. <laughs> For guarantee, he wasn't. One of, uh, one of the more embarrassing moments in my life there. He ain't from around here. I wanted to lock that phrase in your mind here for a second. He ain't from around here. Because truth of the matter is, if we could live like that on this earth, if we could realize that our citizenship is in heaven, that God has secured that, that's where it is, this world is not our home. You know, if we could somehow grab a hold of that, I've told you before that my um, sales skills are terrible. I'm a terrible salesman. Um, my, we have a car that I think was going to be for sale pretty soon. And I said to my wife, I said, you think I can get this much out of it? And she says, I think you could, but you won't. You'll give it to the first person who comes up and offers you anything. And I said, yeah, I probably will. Uh, honestly, one time I had a car listed for $1,400. It was a junker. And the guy came and uh, offered me $1,400. And I said, well, I was going to take twelve, so just give me twelve. My wife was like, he is the worst. Uh, he doesn't even understand. I, I really do have some pretty bad sales skills, which bothers me today because I, I, I wish I could sell this better. Okay, um, I got, I mentioned to you, I had a run of weddings uh, this fall where I did five actually different weddings. And in each one, I tried to tell them this. I said, hey, I want for you what I have. I love my life. I love walking together with my wife, following the Lord. I love it. I mean, I, I do. And I want them to have that. I want them, when they get to be 60, to, to be like, hey, this is awesome. We've lived our life. We've raised our kids. We've tried to shepherd them towards Christ. This is awesome. I want them to have that. And I want so much to say to you with the Apostle Paul today, this life is worth it. This following Jesus Christ, this is worth it. The Apostle Paul could say it, and, and he had a, uh, a great uh, resume. He had a great portfolio of all the things in his account that he had invested in. He said, that's not worth anything. You know what's worth something? You know what's important is knowing Jesus Christ. And I, you know, and I wish I could come up with a good enough way a, to sell that and say that that's the only thing that's worth anything. Investing in Jesus' life, that the only thing that will last into eternity. There really is uh, a heavenly citizenship and eternity that we can look forward to. Now, 
we have a, um, he's a relative of ours, and uh, he and his brother have taken different routes. His brother has gone where he's not following God in any way, and he has tried to follow the Lord. And uh, the brother's life is in turmoil. It's pretty messed up. His life was was going incredibly well. Everything fell into place, just the perfect job he wanted, everything like that. About a year, and, and he was always telling his brother, hey, if you'd follow the Lord, things would be good. About a year ago, this guy, on the good side, if you want to say it like that, life somewhat fell apart. Um, not in his behavior, but just in the job and housing and everything like that. Really went into turmoil, and they had to move into parents' uh, basement there for a while and live with them. And it just, and, and the brother was kind of like, I thought you said everything was perfect like that. I, I, I want to make sure I'm clear on this. I am not suggesting that if you follow God, all your circumstances are going to work out great. I do think that quote I gave you before by Packard is worthwhile, and that is when we recognize or when we make our priority in knowing Jesus Christ, it does solve a lot of our problems and a lot of our thinking. But I cannot sell you for sure and say that following Jesus, you're going to be happy. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. But see that, but then he goes on and he says, but we don't only have hope in this life because Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. And, you know, I, I, we use the expression when we're baptized that you're raised to walk in newness of life. Do you know what's cool about that life? It never ends. It never ends. So this heavenly citizenship that we're talking about is a real thing. Uh, I have to do something weird here. There's usually a time back there and there's not. And I told Marissa I try to be on time. What time is it? Thank you. 11.20. Hey, we have time for another song in a minute. Good. Uh, <laughs> need, need be happy. <laughs> As Adam yells out, 11.29. Um, but here's what I want to... Uh, do, you, do you understand where I'm going here? The, the Apostle Paul made a clear-cut case. He said, hey, this life of following Jesus is worth it. One thing I want to do is pursue him. I want to know him more than anything. And whatever happens in my life, it helps me know him, know him better. It's a good thing. I want to ask you to examine yourself in light of this question. What one thing can you do to pursue, pursue the one thing that is most important? What one thing can you do to pursue the one thing that is most important. And I would encourage you to take a moment and say, God, what is it for me today? Why'd you bring me here? What one thing can I do to pursue that which is most important? And I want to I say again, I have no idea where everybody is in the level of spiritual maturity. I have no clue, most folks, as to what that next step would be. So I don't even want to suggest anything. I want to instead say to you, would you ask the Holy Spirit of God to show you what one thing he brought you here that you could step, step out and begin to press on like the Apostle Paul did? Uh, take some action. What one thing does God want you to put in your life to help you pursue the one thing that is most important? We're going to pray, and we're going to close in a little song. I get, uh, I, I've, was I talking fast? You okay? I am really thrown off by you being up here, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> It's really messing me up to have Mark up in the front row, uh, but uh, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna pray. And I just want to mention, I'm always as usual. I'm gonna hang around afterwards if there's something that uh, 
It's like, hey, Pastor, I'm not even sure what you're talking about with this whole thing about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, would I love to tell you more about that. I would love to tell you more about it because we, we get so caught up in religion. I mean, we, we do all the time. I mentioned this last week. We have people coming all the time. They're like, I'm trying to be more religious. I'm like, don't try to be more religious. The Apostle Paul said, I want to know Jesus. That's what we want. Who cares about religion? That's just man trying to get right with God. Somebody said this, that, uh, let's see, the essence of sin is man taking the place of God. But the essence of Christianity is God taking the place of man. And that's what it's about. God took our place when he died on the cross. That's what, that's what it is, is that relationship. And, uh, man, I hope, I hope you know that. So I'm going to pray for you all, and we're going to stand and sing again. And, Marissa, how about it? Pretty doggone good. That's because I didn't know what time it was and I was hurrying. Uh, she's like, baptism, we're going to be late. No, she's not. Let's pray. Father, um, yeah, even Lord, is, is, I'm ending up here kind of being goofy, and I don't want to distract from what we've talked about. Um, I know the Apostle Paul was so passionate about sharing this, and, uh, and I don't want to take away from that. Uh, sharing this message that living for you is worth it. Investing in you is worth it. Would you bring that message home in a way that I can't? Uh, would you take that and apply it to our lives? And Lord, help us to, before your Holy Spirit, examine ourselves now, asking that question, what one thing can I do to pursue the one thing that is most important? I pray this, Father, in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.